Welcome to the GDPR Stand Up Podcast, the only podcast dedicated to helping you succeed with GDPR compliance. Your host is Rocio Beza. Let's get started. Hey guys, welcome back. This is Rocio, your host of the GDPR Stand Up Podcast. Welcome to today's episode. If you are a new listener, welcome. If you are a returning listener, welcome back. And I want to say that, so in today's episode, we are actually going to do a part two to last week's episode. So if you are just joining and you haven't listened to the previous episode, I encourage you to pause this episode, scroll back one episode, start there, and then visit us here for today's episode. And in today's episode, we are continuing the conversation with Sanju Walker. Sanju Walker, she is a practitioner. She is a technologist. She is a speaker. She is a data privacy practitioner. And she came onto the podcast to share a little bit more about her journey, the type of work that she's been doing in helping her organization with GDPR. Here are a couple of things or a few things that you can expect in today's episode. We talk about the frameworks and how they can be or they can serve as additional resources beyond certifications. We share our thoughts on the ambiguity, the pros and the cons in in the ambiguity behind the security frameworks that are prescribed or I should say not prescribed under the GDPR. We talk about the responsibility that data privacy practitioners have in educating and guiding our colleagues when working on GDPR initiatives. We talked about the flexibility that we need to have when working with others because GDPR is still relatively new and we need to work together so that uh, we can uh, move this initiative forward at our organizations. Sanju shares uh, the opportunity that she sees with GDPR. She talks about the challenges in not being able to know from the regulators if the programs that we are implementing are good enough. And we also talk about the just the wisdom in using simple and available tools and, te- and techniques to build a GDPR program in-house. This is a very awesome conversation. I really enjoyed spending this time with Sanju. So we're going to pick it up uh, right where we left off on from the previous episode. So let's listen in. So you mentioned resources that you used uh, to to learn the, the, the material. So we talked about certifications. You talked about the resources that were available by the ICO. Besides those two resources, would you say that there were any other resources that were critical in your job with helping your organization uh, build uh, this uh, privacy program? NIST was very important. NIST, okay. <laughs> NIST. Talk, talk more about that. Well, NIST, the, they, they have the cybersecurity framework, okay. and they also have the guide for conducting risk assessments. Okay. There are tons of risk assessment frameworks out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there are. There are. There's <laughs> time, yes. There are. Yes. So my company, uh, we even looked at a French privacy impact assessment okay. uh, called CNIL, uh, C-N-I-L. Okay. But that's just one. You know, I think Ireland has one. And mm-hmm. there, yeah, 
UK probably has one. So, yes, but I would say that uh, NIST provided, uh, you know, a good framework Mm -hmm. um, and guides that that we looked at, so, Mm -hmm. as well. Okay, cool. So, I am a fan of the NIST cybersecurity framework like there's different NIST standards um and it are are you referring to the the csf this uh, cybersecurity framework or 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 just the library of NIST the framework standards okay Mm -hmm. got got, got it got it yeah i i I feel like that's a very digestible framework to start with you're right there's definitely lots of uh, lots of them out there but i've seen some that are very tech technical and mm-hmm. they can be intimidating yes so nist cybersecurity for framework okay yes and soon at this moment nist is working on the data privacy framework or mm-hmm. the privacy framework mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. so that's exciting that's coming out scheduled to mm-hmm. come out right at the end of the year mm-hmm. so i'm following that very closely okay well, so I actually had lunch with someone yesterday, Maurice, colleague of ours. Yes, yeah, and so we were talking about how um, he, I think it was a friend of his, or, or you know what? No, I'm 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 confusing it. I'm confusing him with with, with someone else. It was actually with Francisco. Mm-hmm. So Francisco is a graduate student at IIT, and he was explaining to me that. One of his colleagues was a little bit lost with the security framework that they should adopt in- internally because they know that with privacy under G- the GDPR, there's this expectation to secure the, the, the data that the organization holds. Mm-hmm. And he was uh, just venting how there was frustration that GDPR do- doesn't like assign that like you should follow this framework or that one. And and to me, I see it as a good thing because as a practitioner, I want flexibility to, to pick the framework that aligns with how I, I like to think about things. So I, I, I just re- remembered about that. I just wanted to share. All right. So is there anything that anything else that you'd want to share about your personal journey? with helping your 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 organization with, with, with GDPR? No, I think we we really touched on a lot of, mm-hmm. of stuff there. I would say that because we did stand up our first, the first mm-hmm. data privacy team, mm-hmm. that when you're standing up your first assessments and sending them out, mm-hmm. I be very easy and patient with uh, the other departments that you will really need to teach them what data privacy is, what GDPR is, and all these other data privacy regulations that are coming out. You really need to be a consultant and Mm -hmm. a coach. So remember that be patient Mm -hmm. and and come from the standpoint of coaching and teaching Mm -hmm. because these regulations and these concepts are new to a lot of people Mm -hmm. right right so what i do personally when i'm working with teens Mm -hmm. and or new people who i'm introducing to the gdpr is i have resources for them Mm -hmm. to take a look at 
after we finished a discussion uh, about why I'm asking them to complete an (laughs) assessment, because you will be asking them to complete questionnaires, assessments, and, um, and these assessments and questions are very new for people at Mm -hmm. organizations and companies Mm -hmm. so you're going to be doing a lot of teaching Mm -hmm. which will require a lot of patience right right yes (laughs) so have resources for them okay to independently look at at while they're completing these questionnaires Mm -hmm. and assessments and and offer to go over to have working sessions with them. Got it. Right? Mm -hmm. So offer working sessions and there will be people who will be able to complete these documents on their own. Mm -hmm. Like an IT team. I Mm -hmm. found um, IT teams prefer to to complete the documents on their own and Mm -hmm. that's fine. Mm -hmm. Uh, But provide them with the resources, Mm -hmm. with key concepts, Mm -hmm. with even the easy, there's a GDPR easy readable website out there. Okay. Uh, and if Royceo doesn't have it, which I'm sure she does, I will provide it to her I, for the show notes. I may not have that resource, so we'll make sure that we add it to the, the, the show notes for sure. Yes. So that uh, is um, is my recommendation just okay. to be a teacher and, and be patient. Got it. Okay. Yeah. No, I, I would agree there. Tackling something like GDPR, it definitely requires uh, multiple teams to be involved. And some teams may have some idea of the principles under the GDPR, other teams may not. And it's important to realize that, hey, it, it's part of my job to make sure that that my colleague is set up to, to succeed in what I'm asking for. And de- depending on who that is, uh, you may you may need to tackle this approach to the initiative differently so that you're able to obtain the information that they need. But this doesn't become a very burdensome activity where it's just a very difficult task and uh, it's something that, that they may not be able to support. So thank you for reminding us that, it, that as we're working with other teams to be patient and to be uh, receptive to coaching others so that we're helping them succeed with this initiative. Yes, yes. And I just want to piggyback off that because you brought up a reminder to me that there might be professionals out there who don't know um, how IT or web development teams work. Mm-hmm. And they're very much, a lot of them um, are stretched thin. Yes. They may not have a lot of time and mm-hmm. bandwidth mm-hmm. for your assessment mm-hmm. because they are building a live product, yes. pushing you know new versions out and things of that nature. So mm-hmm. a lot of them are stretched thin, mm-hmm. and you just have to be mindful about that when you're directly working with uh, an IT or developers. Yeah, team. exactly. No, and I think that your background in web development and and just the programming space, I think that puts you in a position to be able to see that where say if a new data privacy professional is just entering the the field and say that they're fresh out of college, they may not understand that there's a lot of initiatives that are, are usually going on at the same time. 
Yes. And when you're tackling data security or privacy, it's usually something that is added on top of of their existing responsibilities. Absolutely. Okay, cool. All right. Now, let's talk about challenges. Mm -hmm. So as you were helping your organization get ready with GDPR, and I know there was a point where you had to help them get ready and then after a certain point, you probably transition into maintenance mode where like you build a program and now you have to continue the program. So as as changes are being introduced into the company, as new products are being launched, uh, products are being shut down or technology is being changed and so forth, there is going to be some trickle down effect to GDPR. And we have to do these mini ass- ass- assessments like the D- DPIA that you, you mentioned to make sure that these new initiatives, these changes, they continue to com- com- comply with GDPR. So given your the last year or, or so, what would you say has been the most challenging part with helping the organization with an initiative like this? So I took a different view or approach to GDPR. I saw it as an opportunity and I still see it as an opportunity even as we approach maintenance mode, as you Mm -hmm. have said, Mm -hmm. um, after you have built a program and you're done or almost done with the assessments and now you assess new products and services that Mm -hmm. come come to the company. Mm -hmm. And I always see it as an opportunity Mm -hmm. to um, be clear and transparent to your customers as to what type of data you're collecting, you're mm-hmm. processing, and you're storing, and sometimes even trans- transferring to mm-hmm. a third party. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's an opportunity mm-hmm. that I have a discussion internally with the stakeholders, being okay. the product or IT teams, and then to transfer that to our sales and marketing so they can discuss with customers because they're the front line, right? Mm -hmm. So they're the front line. And if they understand data protection and Mm -hmm. security Mm -hmm. and what we do in terms of GDPR, Mm -hmm. then they'll be able, if the customer asks, then the the sales team and the marketing team will be able to explain, Mm -hmm. right? right? And yes, and then, Building trust, right? So we're always building trust, mm-hmm. uh, and and if an organization is ha, is GDPR ready, right? Mm-hmm. They're 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 preparing or they're on their way. Mm-hmm. I think for customers and employees, it does build a trust, mm-hmm. and that's important. Mm-hmm. And we provide training, like mm-hmm. that's that's third, like that's the third opportunity I see is is an opportunity to pr- provide training and awareness around mm-hmm. GDPR and data protection. Mm-hmm. Now, I would say if I had to pick a challenge, mm-hmm. it it would be that is waiting for the regulators to tell uh, us, mm-hmm. the practitioners, mm-hmm. if we're getting it right, if we're on the right path. And a lot of times I hear this also, too, from other practitioners in the field mm-hmm. that we just don't know. Mm-hmm. It's like this waiting game because it's only a year since the regulation has been out. Mm-hmm. And we are trying our best. I know my company, we're, we're, we're really trying our best mm-hmm. uh, to get it right. Mm-hmm. So 
I look forward Mm -hmm. (laughs) to the day when somebody, you know, tells us that we're we're on the right path and we're getting it right. But but for now, that is that is challenging. It's 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 the waiting. Mm -hmm. Got it. So I think that 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 that's something that is not unique to GDPR. So I'm familiar with like the the PCI DSS. So this is uh, for those that are processing cardholder information. Companies like American Express, Visa, and Mastercard they got together and they created a they created a, a PCI or, or organization, and it's basically a set of standards that they're expecting anyone that is processing credit card information they need to be able to abide by the the, the standard. I don't have my dates right in front of me, but I would say that PCI DSS has probably been around for about a decade. And I would say that that even for something that has been established for that long, I have seen that there are slightly different interpretations or approaches that organizations take to comply with the PCI DSS. So I would expect that there be something like there would be a similar experience with GDPR where there has been some guidance depending on the resource that an organization has, the guidance might be helpful uh, or the guidance may be more confusing because this is something very new and they're just trying to make sense of what it all means before they can make sense with like, how does that apply to our organization and what are the different things that we should be doing to comply? So I personally wouldn't hold my breath in having the regulator say, uh, yes, if you're doing like, if, if, if you can conform to this checklist, you're, you're good. But, um, what I have seen is specifically on the UK side, the ICO has had several calls for feedback and, uh, commentary on the different components of GDPR. And I think that by taking that approach, there are creating guidelines, but they're also adjusting the guidelines to make sure that it's addressing the questions and the concerns that are coming from organizations and the practitioners. But but I, I think you bring up a good point because like take for example, on the personal level, if our goal is to be healthier, we usually go with a doctor to give us a sense of, all right, given the vitals, like am I, am, am I good or are there things that I should be concerned about? And with a data privacy program or with something like GDPR, we don't have that battery of vital tests. I think that it's something that it hasn't been quite produced yet. Mm -hmm. But I think that if regulators, politicians, Mm -hmm. organizations and practitioners, if we just continue the conversations and we have we use platforms to have open discussions and to openly talk about the challenges that we face techniques that have worked for us, things that have not worked for us, I think we will be moving into a direction where it's more clear Mm -hmm. whether or not what we're doing is on course or not. But if we take this very close approach where we're not sharing how we're tackling this issue or we're only sharing that in closed doors, I think that it'll it'll just make it that much harder for other practitioners to know, all right, are, are we doing things appropriately or do we have any blind spots, you know? Oh, I I agree. What we do always hear about mm-hmm. is the organizations that are getting it wrong. Yes. 
We always hear the news about those yes. organizations. Yes. And that's fine. And that's what the regulators do. They catch and they find mm -hmm. those organizations that aren't, don't have the most ethical or healthy mm -hmm. security and data privacy practices. Mm -hmm. Let's also shine a spotlight on those organizations that are. Mm -hmm. And maybe that would be a way to bring it out of the closed doors mm -hmm. and you know, and spotlight an organization, a company that mm -hmm. is trying to become compliant, is on mm -hmm. the road, is on the path, you know, right. and, and, and I guess that's what, that's, that would help. Mm -hmm. uh, so folks who are really trying, mm -hmm. you know, who are working endlessly and tirelessly mm -hmm. to, uh, to get it right. Mm -hmm. So we can also see companies not only the ones who aren't, but the mm -hmm. ones who are. Mm -hmm. Got it. And I think that the regulators want that too. And so what I like about GDPR is that there's this accountability and there there's this accountability pr principle and there's expectations around having governance frameworks so that on an ongoing basis, organizations are just doing a check-in at the program to make sure that, hey, are things still working as expected? And But also to look broadly and, and say, all right, given any changes that have happened since the last time that we asked this question, do we need to adjust our, pro our program? Do we have to add new things? Do we have to expand things? And by just having that governance structure where you're required to check in on mm -hmm. the program, I think by taking that approach, we'll slowly get on the path of, or, or just having organizations get on the habit of testing what they've built to make sure that it's working as expected, or if it has fallen flat, or maybe a component of the program is no longer working as expected. And by having these check-ins in place, whether it be annually or quarterly, they have the opportunity to correct that before it becomes an issue. So let's uh, transition on to our next uh, part here. So lots of, 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 of our listeners are in the early stages of helping the organization get ready with things like GDPR or CCPA or any other variations that are similar to GDPR. What advice do you have for those that may be on the very early stages of this journey so that they feel like they can tackle this? You have said it a lot, Mauricio, throughout your podcast uh, that starting your a GDPR journey, it doesn't need fancy tools mm -hmm. or software. And I recommend organizations start curating these easy tools that can be started in a simple Google Drive, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. a, a spreadsheet. Mm -hmm. For example, I and my colleagues, we created our first GDPR assessment forms uh, in Google Drive. Mm -hmm. In fact, by developing these forms manually, it's helped me have a better understanding of the GDPR principles. Okay. And this has resulted in my deep understanding of the regulations and its application mm -hmm. to my organization mm -hmm. and our data privacy program. Mm -hmm. 
Second, I would recommend after you figure out what tools that you're going to use Mm -hmm. is to send out a data mapping survey or questionnaire to your product and business teams. Start there. And this process will help the organization understand what type of personal data or if you're collecting personal data Mm -hmm. and if you're collecting it from an EU citizen or person who's in the uh, EU Mm because GDPR is only specific to the EU. Mm -hmm. So first you need to find out, am I collecting personal data? Right. And are they in the EU? Mm -hmm. And that is what a data mapping questionnaire is going to help you to do Mm -hmm. and eventually to construct a data map Mm -hmm. chart or flow. Mm -hmm. Third is to create a privacy policy or a privacy Mm -hmm. notice. Eventually to do that and Mm -hmm. put that on your website Mm -hmm. because then you're able to tell your users and your customers Mm -hmm. what personal information you are collecting, Mm -hmm. how you can use it, and Mm -hmm. if you're transferring it to third parties. Mm -hmm. And the GDPR, uh, uh, well, the um, ICO on their website, they have information for organizations on how to develop your privacy notice um, and your privacy policy. So that's very clear there. They, They can help you do that. And lastly, I would really recommend Uh, And I've said it before that you need or should have a data privacy trainings and awareness that you provide to your stakeholders, Mm -hmm. your employees, your third parties. That is so key because (laughs) people in the organization and and your they need to understand mm-hmm. what is data privacy, mm-hmm. what is GDPR. Mm-hmm. This is really new to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And I, as practitioners, it is our job to, to teach mm-hmm. and to coach mm-hmm. and, 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 and to have people really understand that this is important mm-hmm. if if your identity, for example, is stolen, mm-hmm. uh, and you talked about this on your previous podcast, mm-hmm. identity theft, mm-hmm. it it can ruin somebody. It can. Yes, it can. You can. There's negative re- repercussions. It can ruin an individual. It can ruin a business. Mm-hmm. And if we can have trainings, if we mm-hmm. can teach people that this is very important, you can potentially avoid Mm -hmm. some negative um, adverse reactions, either financially or it can save your reputation, you Mm -hmm. you know, a company's Mm -hmm. or individuals. So so that's why training is very important around data production. Okay, got it. I think the the three things that you, you said definitely resonate. So focusing on using simple tools uh, to just get it right and just have an understanding of the data that's being processed inter- internally, like focus on meeting the requirements and not buying the fancy tool that, that they're selling you at the conference because it has all the bells and, and the whistles. 
and just having this very transparent approach of posting a privacy policy so that it's very transparent. Hey, this is information that we hold about people and this is how we are using it. And I, I want to stress that just creating a privacy policy isn't sufficient. I, I think that it's very important that we embrace the, the expectations of GDPR, that it should be easy to read and in layman terms and understandable just just to the everyday consumer because I think the the status quo up up until now has been these very long documents that are filled with vocabulary that we don't use and we don't read it so we don't understand how an organization is using the the very personal information that, that they hold about us. And I think that training is super important because you're absolutely right if um if other departments don't understand like what that actually means and why that, that that's important for the organization, it just makes it that much difficult to build and sustain a program and comply with GDPR. But more importantly, it's not serving the consumers and the, cus- the customers well, and it may be putting the organization at risk simply because the organization didn't go about in educating and by educating like that that's really the first step in 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 making sure that 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 we understand why this is important and what that actually means for a specific team or department yes okay so as we ramp down the con- the conversation, Sanju, so uh, I-, I do have another question. Can you talk about uh, what you have enjoyed the most in-, in the process? So data privacy is something that I enjoy and it's always fun to uh, talk with other p- practitioners. And I'm-, I'm curious, what has been the most uh, enjoyable part of, uh, of this process? And yes, I, I enjoy to geek out <laughs> about data privacy and tech and security and and for me the most important like the most enjoyable thing is that I work with a really great team mm-hmm. and we are dedicated and we have stood up I'm very proud that we've stood up the first data privacy program at our company mm-hmm. despite not having a tool with mm-hmm. all this fancy bells and whistles you know we really <laughs> didn't need it we manually built our assessment forms mm-hmm. and uh, as i mentioned it really provided me and mm-hmm. our team with a deep understanding about the gdpr principles mm-hmm. and we've really we've gone through data mapping surveys mm-hmm. DPIA, SARS, mm-hmm. ROPAs, uh, you know, we've we've really tackled those core assessments that mm-hmm. that that are asked by the GDPR. Mm-hmm. Uh, second, w- what I really do enjoy, I really enjoy coaching and mm-hmm. helping our product teams mm-hmm. and working with the IT teams because you can I get to work not only with policy, I mm-hmm. I also get to work on the technical side. Mm-hmm. And if you choose as a data privacy professional to work on the tech side, mm-hmm. you don't have to, but that's something that I enjoy because I, my formal education comes from policy as a city planner. And then in, in technology, I mm-hmm. built my tech skills mm-hmm. uh, and now I'm able to do both. Mm-hmm. So working with the product teams is 
is great. Mm -hmm. And I really enjoy it. Uh, And helping the company to meet its legal obligation Mm -hmm. under GDPR. Mm -hmm. And finally, just the learning process Mm -hmm. of GDPR. You learn something (laughs) new every day. Right. Right. (laughs) Yes, we learn something new every day because you, you can't keep every updated privacy regulation, let alone the GDPR in your mind. Mm-hmm. It's so much <laughs> it information. Is. And each time I look back at the information, I'm always like, hmm, okay, I've learned something new. Mm-hmm. Like, or building, you know, off of information about the seven data subject rights. Okay. Right? Yep. So, yeah, and, I, I'm, and, I, and I'm always learning something new and I'm always strengthening mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. principle, for example. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm always saying, okay, here's here's how we can tighten up that particular uh, principle mm-hmm. and 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 to process these SARS better or more mm-hmm. efficiently mm-hmm. is being able to learn, you mm-hmm. know, to be being able to go back and to look at the regulations. Mm-hmm. Uh, and since currently GDPR, I would say, is one of the toughest data privacy regulations now out, mm-hmm. it will... Because my company is prepared, mm-hmm. we've prepared ourselves for one of the toughest yes. data privacy regulations. Now we are able to, when we have to go into CCPA, mm-hmm. when we have to fulfill those requests, mm-hmm. we'll be able to use the assessments that we have for GDPR to build our CCPA program. Mm-hmm. So I really enjoy d- data privacy. I enjoy the regulations and mm-hmm. and and the learning process, and uh, and I welcome new data privacy regulations in the future. <laughs> <laughs> Same here. <laughs> awesome. Well, Sanju, I, j- I just want to say thank you very much for your time for the conversation. It's incredible to see how much you have grown in the last time since we were colleagues, and just knowing that you were able to find a path to data privacy and you're doing awesome work at your company um that makes me very happy i'm proud of you and i continue uh to look forward to see where you take your career path next and uh i'm, I'm sure you're going to be doing in- incredible things so thank you for coming on and uh maybe we can have you back uh on a future episode so that you can share more about what have you learned in year two. <laughs> oh thank you thank you so much i really want to thank you for bringing me on your podcast i am a listener and you really discuss gdpr in clear terms and really trying to help people to understand that it's doable mm-hmm. and and they can do it. Mm-hmm. And I hope from our discussion that people, uh, if you haven't started, mm-hmm. that you will start. And listening to this podcast mm-hmm. is one of the things that I feel will definitely help you. And for me, mm-hmm. you know, um, I didn't get here on my own. Mm-hmm. Uh, you mentioned earlier about your mentor, mm-hmm. and I have several online and offline mentors that have believed in me and my skill set and my passion for security and data privacy. And, you know, and and I thank them. Mm -hmm. I thank them a lot. And um, just 
very quickly, just Emil Cambry and Ken Watkins at Blue 1647 in Chicago, who first helped me with tech, you know, who started me off in coding mm-hmm. um, and this journey. And Jason uh, uh, Kanesh, who, who provided me with my first web development job <laughs> right out of the coding boot camp. And of course, Matt Kanda, who we know, who, you know, who saw the potential in me being a very great asset to information security, mm-hmm. you know, and providing me with that opportunity with my first opportunity in information security. Um, and to Joe Prempe, who got me involved in data privacy, who got me involved in GDPR and, and for being just a, a great leader in, in the data privacy space uh, and a unicorn, a true unicorn at it all. Uh, so thank you very much to all of them and to my team who I work with now. And uh, and I hope to come back. Awesome. So yeah, in the future, any, any time. And if you need to reach me for, if you would like any advice or to further continue the conversation, I'm more than available on LinkedIn and and Twitter at Sanju W. So, you know, please reach out. That's the only way that we're going to be able, you know, to make data privacy, um, to champion it, Mm -hmm. to make it a priority, Mm -hmm. not only to organizations, but to individuals. Mm So is, you know, is by networking and talking to each other about about the importance of this. Awesome. Awesome. And for all the listeners, so if you have any questions for Sandra, she has been gracious enough to make herself available to tackle any questions. So if there's any follow up that you have there, uh, please feel free to reach out. And with that, uh, that concludes our episode for today. Thank you very much for listening and we'll catch you next week. Goodbye, guys. Hey guys, wow, wasn't that a great conversation? I want to thank Sanju for making the time and making herself available in sharing more about how she entered the data privacy space, the information security space, the type of work that she's been focused on in the last year, and for being open and candid and transparent with her experience, what she has learned along the way, some of the challenges that she has faced, and how she has overcome them. And I also appreciate the words of wisdom and encouragement that she has for any other aspiring data privacy practitioners or privacy practitioners that may be facing some struggles with advancing an initiative like GDPR at their organizations. I hope that you can see that anyone really that has the passion and the interest in enter this space really can be a champion and a resource at their organization with the help of resources and mentors. I think that that is what will ultimately help us uh, reach our goals and be able to support our organizations in the way that we aspire to. I hope that you enjoyed the conversation. This was a format that is slightly different from the the bulk of our previous episodes. And um, I have a lineup of additional guests that we can expect to learn from and hear from. So just wanted to say, I, I hope you enjoyed the conversation. 
And uh, here's to many more conversations like, like, like this with other awesome practitioners in the field. So just want to say thank, thank you very much for catching this week's episode. And tune back again for next week where we are going to going to continue the conversation with GDPR. Thanks again, guys, and we'll see you soon. Goodbye. Thanks for listening to the GDPR Stand-Up Podcast. If you need additional help, please check us out at gdprstandup.com. Until next time.